0: Future proof extra with Jonathan McRae, proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland, on News Talk.
1: This year we will come closer than ever to touching the sun. That's because of a long term NASA mission called the Parker Solar Probe that has been compared in significance to the moon landing. Joining me now to discuss this is one of the scientists involved, Dr. Noor Rafwafi from Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory. Noor, hello from Dublin.
0: Hello. Uh, I hope you are doing well and Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, Let's get into this uh, nice and quick. Parker set off in 2018. Uh, Over the course of this mission, can you tell us exactly what you're hoping to to achieve from all this work?
0: Parkinson's Solar Probe is a mission um, of exploration by excellence. Um, It is flying through a region of space that we never visited before. And it is extremely uh, a harsh environment the atmosphere of star and we know the sun is extremely active and uh, um, that's what renders it very hazardous to fly very close to Um, but the region that we will be flying through is actually the solar corona it's the same um, uh, medium that we can see during a total solar eclipse and what is what is amazing about this region of space it is a whole um, many mysteries that are, have been around for many, many decades, and we are still struggling to understand them. The first that comes to mind is the solar activity in terms of explosions like solar flares and CMEs that drive space weather. Remember the, the same events that uh, caused the, the problem with the 40 spacecraft from um, SpaceX. That's actually space weather. And Parker Solar Probe will be studying these events very, very close to where they are born um, in the solar corona, and telling us how, the, how, they are, how they come about and how they evolve until they reach us to, to, uh, um, to Earth here and beyond. And there is another, another phenomenon as well that is so, so uh, mysterious. The, when you look at the surface of the sun that we can see with the naked eye, the temperature there is about 6,000 degrees. You move about two or 3,000 kilometers above, and the temperature of the gas will skyrocket to more than a million degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. And that is counterintuitive, because from everyday experience, if you move away from a heat source like a uh, campfire, it, cool- it cools down. But that does not work for the solar corona. And this phenomenon has been discovered over eight, eight decades ago. And to this day, we don't really understand it. There is the third one, which is the, uh, the solar wind that is very closely related to the heating. That boiling gas in the solar corona that, that is uh, more than a million degree hot um, generates um, a flow of um, material, that is ions and electrons. And this material gets accelerated very, very fast to up to 2 million miles per hour. And there again, we don't really understand what, what, where the, the gas gets the energy from. These are the primary science questions for Parker Solar Probe. But again, Parker is an exploration mission and whatever whatever measurements we make there is a potential discovery.
1: So it's almost like a bonus to it at the end. that You're going, at, I suppose, as close. Even getting there, I suppose, is a massive challenge. It's, and like you said, it's going through not only space being fairly hazardous and dangerous in itself, you're going to a very hazardous place because you're so close to the sun. Can you talk a little bit about... Parker getting there and I suppose the journey that it had to go through and, and how long it's taken since launch and, and how long the mission is going to run for or is projected to run for.
0: Well, let me start with the last part which is the easy part. Okay, so, Parker Solar Probe um, will run, the prime, uh, the prime mission would be seven years. We launched in the summer of 2018 and it will run until the summer of uh, 2025. But until now the spacecraft um, went around the sun 18 times, and it's very, very healthy. So the expectation is after the seven years, we will keep going, and hopefully NASA will keep extending the mission. And we, will, we want to run this mission as long as we can because it's so unique. We will not have um, a spacecraft flying very close to a star anytime soon. So the more we do with particulate probe, the better. Now, for the mission itself, it is really amazing that people start thinking um, about mission like Solar probe back in 1958 that is years and years before i was born i was not even on this earth and um, uh, since then nasa tried many many times i think four or five times to implement the mission but all these attempts did not come to fruition for different reasons but i think the main reason is that we did not have the technology to fly spacecraft very close to a star in that very harsh environment and fly it in a safe manner. Um, back in 2001, NASA commissioned the Applied Physics Lab here in Maryland to look at the material to build a heat shield that will protect the spacecraft from the, uh, the light coming from the sun, which, which basically would destroy the, destroy the spacecraft if, if it is exposed to it. And it took us about six years or a little bit more than six years to come up with that material, which is basically a piece of carbon foam. And that's what, what forms that um, umbrella above the spacecraft that stands between the sun and, and the, the main body of the spacecraft. And what is amazing about it is um, it is four, four, uh, four inches and a half thick. It's 11 uh, uh, centimeters and a half. When Solar probe flies closest to the sun on December 24 uh, this year, um, this star, this, uh, the side facing the sun will be glowing at more than four, 1,400 degrees Celsius. Um, 11 centimeter and a half back on the back side of the, of the, uh, thermal, heat shield, the thermal shield, um, the temperature will be about 300 degrees Celsius. And the amazing thing is that one meter behind we will be at room temperature, and it's there where the main body of the spacecraft and most of the instruments reside and collect all the measurements. And that's actually where the, me- the magic of technology comes in. That's the type of technology that we have been waiting for for 60 years to get this mission going and that is possibly
1: like I mean, this is a really significant event, a significant I suppose mission, not only for the data but also that the technology that it has driven to be able to to, to develop. And I suppose is that why it's being compared to the to the moon landings in the past? Because it's not just the significance of the mission and the data and the information and the exploration that you'll 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 enjoy but also the technological leaps that have had to happen for it to be a reality.
0: Absolutely. If, if you look what we have, we have achieved since the moon landing of 1969, it is mind-boggling. And all of that is thanks to that big achievement that opened the, the, gate, the gate for uh, technological development. And, uh, and now, if you will, we rely on space more than ever. Um, we cannot live without uh, a cell phone or without GPS, or um, even our economy, economic system is relies a lot on, on, on space. And um, our reliance on space will be even bigger in the future. So the more technology you do, we develop, the better it is. And having um, a mission that uh, uh, back in '69 landing the moon was a huge, huge achievement. And it carried us until this point in terms of uh, um, uh, the uh, in terms of advances and progress we would make. Um, but a flying a spacecraft in the atmosphere of stars, it is not an easy thing that you can do every day. Because if you don't protect your spacecraft, um, it will destroy you in no, in no time at all. The sun will just destroy that spacecraft. And if you will, I can give you a, a, a couple of uh, uh, things about the spacecraft. Um, well, you know, uh, we know that whenever you fly um, a body out in space there, it will wiggle it a little bit. It's, it's, it's customary. We know that. And Solar probe is no exception. It can wiggle a tiny bit. But when we are, when we are, when we are flying out there, the TPS has to, uh, to, to look squarely at the sun. And, yeah, Solar probe can wiggle only a fraction of a degree. That's the tolerance we, we have for this spacecraft. So basically it has to, to stay still there basically doesn't move at all. And the other thing which is also amazing about, about this is the autonomy on the spacecraft. Obviously when it is flying out there close to the sun, we cannot do much to it. Whatever problem it encounters, it has to solve it by itself. And the autonomy system that we built this, on this spacecraft can keep it going for almost up to two months without any human intervention at all. So imagine that you are really diving into hell and you have to deal with every potential problem by yourself. That's not an easy achievement. And that's actually why it took us basically 10 years to look at every possibility, every piece of technology that we can implement into this spacecraft to fly it safely. And by the way, the performance of this, Parker Solar Probe is way, way better than we expected. And that, that, all that thanks to... That, um, all the work that we've done on the ground, just to quote one of our engineers, um, she told me once, well, we spent a decade basically breaking stuff. Yes. And what she meant by that is, uh, is basically doing every sort of experiment, pushing material to their limits. And just to, to have this mission this going. And what we are getting from it is just op- um, eye-opening.
1: So it's probably what you're saying is that if you find out enough ways to break something, you can prevent those ways and make sure because it's such a a harsh environment that you're going. And there's a lot of challenges, obviously, even to get Parker funded, then to get it launched and then to get it performing so well. It it is also, without giving people horrible flashbacks to a different corona, the mission will be in the corona area, which you have mentioned. Just before we kind of, I suppose, wrap up, could you kind of just explain a little bit about... Um, the solar corona itself, what it is and why it is of such interest to us.
0: So uh, earlier I mentioned what what they call the solar wind, which is this flow of gas that comes from the sun and feel all the heliosphere, which is the sphere of of influence of our our star, the sun. And if you will, we live in that flow uh, every every day and every second and every moment we live in that flow. And whatever whatever happens in the solar corona, can affect us in many ways, and sometimes adversely. And I mentioned space weather before, whenever you have an explosion on the, on, on the sun, like a flare or CME, in particular the big ones, they accelerate a certain population of particles to a fraction of the speed of light. This is what we call the solar energetic particles, and they are pretty hazardous out there. They are hazardous to humans in space, they are hazardous to space equipment like uh, Communication satellites or GPS, or y- you name it. And when they are severe enough, they can even affect us here on the ground. And the first victim is the power grid. Back in um, um, March 12, uh, 1899, there was an event on the Sun, and it caused the power outage in northeast of America. And imagine that we have um, um, a Carrington like event. And by, by the way, Carrington is the one who discovered the strongest. Uh, flares uh, ever observed on the sun, and uh, he's an amateur of the astronomer, by the way. Mm. I- imagine that we have one of these events, and it is hurtling toward us, and it hits Earth uh, um, head-on, and it causes a, a, a global power outages all, almost all over the place, all over the globe. You know, the economic system will potentially uh, suffer huge huge losses. The losses will be estimated at the trillions of dollars, and that's why... One of the reasons we have to keep looking at that region of space, the sun and its corona, try to understand how they work and try to uh, to come up with ways to forecast this activity in order to, to mitigate their effects whenever they, they, they hit us. There is actually one more thing. Um, well, now NASA and ESA uh, and other space agencies, they are basically in a race to, uh, to send uh, women for the first time back to the, to the moon and, uh, and men back to the moon again. And hopefully we will land them by the end of this decade. That's the plan, at least from from our side on, on, uh, on the Atlantic. And when, uh, when, uh, um, when women and men are out there on the moon, they don't really have the protection of the magnetic field that we have on Earth, which is the uh, geomagnetic field, the Earth's magnetic field, which uh, acts like a shield for us. It shields us from the harsh environment, that is coming from the sun and and elsewhere. Uh, On the moon, there is no protection like that. And even the the, the plan after the moon is uh, basically to send, the hope is to send uh, humans to Mars. And remember the journey from Earth to Mars is pretty long. Yes. And we have to protect these people at any given time. And you know what, the best protection is that um, we have to understand how the sun works in order to mitigate the, the impact. Let me say one more thing. Uh, if you go out there and ask people what is the best time to send humans to Mars, I, I mentioned the journey is pretty long. So. And I, I believe most people will tell you, yeah, the best time will be when the sun is very quiet during the minimum of the solar cycle when it's basically doing not, not much at all. Actually, that's wrong. The best time is when the sun is pretty active near the solar maximum. And the reason for that, there is another um, type of radiation coming from the galaxy that is we call it the cosmic rays. It is lethal. And when the sun, when the sun is very active, it acts like steam. It diminishes the flux of the radiation. So the best time for us is to fly them during solar maximum. But again, we have to, we have to, um, to protect them from the sun, which protects us from these cosmic rays that are coming from the outside.
1: So we've got the sun giving us life and also being dangerous so we need to understand it to be able to utilise it and protect ourselves from it. Dr Noor Rawafi, thank you so much for
0: joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on Talk.